Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. You've tuned in for part two of our episode with Stu Nitzkin. We left you on a great cliffhanger last time, just about to tell one of the best Collegiate Week stories ever. We're going to get to that in two seconds. The Camp Ojibwa History Project National Tour continues. I find myself in Highland Park, Illinois today. Not too far from most of you, but I'm headed back out east early in the morning. I got to say, it's a beautiful country out there. I've seen a lot of great stuff. Nothing prettier than Bozeman, Montana, though. I can say that. I can say that. Okay, enough of these shenanigans. Let's get back to the show. Give you the story you're waiting for. Here we go. Stunitskin, part two on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. Right here on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. Absolutely. It's... Uh... I had good chance. I'd say the best chance I had leading up to it was when I was the one-two on Indiana, and we we were in it the whole time and just kind of fizzled. And I had Brett and Adam Bohm as my coaches. I was the one-two. I was on Indiana, which was the school I ended up going to with those guys. So that was a fun year. But I never uh, – the closest I'd come was my first year. I came in second place by a lot, to John Michaelon's Alabama team. <laughs> Interestingly enough, my first rounder was Ricky Michaelon. Oh, that is interesting. And uh, and he was amazing in his own right as a cabin 12-er then. Yeah. And um, I think he was the 1-3 that year as a cabin wow. 12-er. Yeah, he was a good athlete. <laughs> and a big guy, too. Still is. Still yeah. is a good athlete when he does things. <laughs> um, Shots fired. Yeah. So, 98... I graduate college, and I really wasn't going to come back. I had, I did not, I wasn't at camp the year before. I went to Israel. Okay. So I was kind of like, my camp career was kind of over. Yeah, you cut your ties. You're like, okay, I'm good. I'll go up and visit every year, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I graduated college, came home, and I went on like a six-week road trip with a couple of friends of mine cross country. So I, I flew down to Atlanta, and we started in Atlanta where my buddies were, and went, you know, through Texas all the way up into all the national parks. Nice. Amazing trip. And along the way, I was like, this is amazing. I love seeing all this stuff, but I, I'm just missing camp. Hmm. And um, I got I got back to Atlanta, and it was like two days before a second session, and I called up. I got to Atlanta for, at my sister's house. I was flying back the next morning, and it was like just before a visiting weekend. Okay. And I was like... Can I come? I called up Denny and I said, I, I, I want to come back. I can come back for four weeks. I don't, you can put me anywhere you want. <laughs> I just want to be there. I'm like, I don't need to do anything. I know I'm not eligible. It's not about, I'm not, I'm not eligible to coach collegiate week. I, I don't care if you don't, if you have me officiate, I'll do anything you want. I just want to be back there. And he's like, okay, come. So I, you know, I get home, the ne- I pack it up, I go on the bus the next day. And I'm there. He throws me in cabin 11 um, with Robin Jaska, who was a kitchen staff guy that converted to cabin counselor. That is a rare move. It's still my friend today, an amazing guy, lives <laughs> in Kentucky. Nice. Um, and so I was a cabin counselor in cabin 11. Loved it. Great time. And uh, it's getting close to the week. And I'm starting to look at the field and think, you know, the, who's, who's even coaching? 
and I'm sort of poking around with people, and they're like, oh, this guy and this guy. There was a couple of guys that had been there two or three years international that were slated to coach. Oh, wow. And um, a couple of them had coached the year before. That's how thin it was. And they did horribly, and they didn't mm-hmm. love it. So there was something like one spot left, but there were like four guys ahead of me. Mm. And the first three were international. And they were only ahead of me because they were eight weeks and I was four weeks. It just doesn't happen. Sure. Even when I got there, I was like, don't even try. Don't even talk to me about it. Like, That's okay. fair. Yeah. And uh, as it gets closer, a couple of these guys are like, we're, we're not coaching. We have no desire to coach. So it comes to the third guy and the third guy's like, yeah, I think I'll coach. And I'm like, you sure? You know, is he sure you want to do that? <laughs> kind of talking him out of it. And he's like, but if I don't coach, it's not you. It goes to Seth Wenig. Okay. He's next on the senior yeah. list. He's, he's, he had more years than me. He's a year younger than me, but I'd missed that year. So he had more years than me. And he was there all, all eight he was weeks. there all eight, but he had, um, no, he had come late too. Oh, interesting. So, but he was the next cause there was no one. Right. And, uh, this guy ultimately, Elliot talked to him and said, you know, if you're not 100% into it, don't do it because you're going to be doing a disservice to these kids. So he's like, fine, I'm out. So then Elliot pulled Seth in and was like, it's your spot. And he's like, great, I'll take it. So I hear this, and now I'm like, I'm the next guy, right? <laughs> this close. Seth and I are real tight. Seth had won the week two years, two summers before. Oh, oh. So I remember pulling Seth out to the campfire site saying, let's not make this difficult. What do you need? <laughs> Money? What, like, I, I'm like, what do you need? Sure. 500 bucks? I'm like, I'm like, this is my last shot, Seth. This is it. I got a job when I get home. You won two years ago. No one in my family has ever won collegiate week. <laughs> and like I gave him like all of my dad's years and my years. It was like 25 plus years, uh, whatever I said it was. <laughs> and I said, come on. And he's like, all right, here's the deal. I'll give it to you. But if you win, you have to put me on the plaque as someone on your team, not as like assistant coach, <laughs> as someone on the team. It's like a camper. And he's like, and you have to give me whatever gear you get. Because back then, like, my mom would send me up gear, and that was an okay thing then. Gotcha. You knew what team, and she would fat overnight me. She'd go to Campus Colors and clear it out of whatever team. Nice. And um, so we kind of made this deal. We tell Ellie, and he's like, okay, here's the deal. Cannot tell anyone. This is how it's going to play out. And so we go to the announcing of the coaches, campfire site, and – the coaches one by one are, are, you know, I'm a coach, this is my team, I'm a coach, this is my team. He calls up the international guy because no one knows this guy has bailed out. Nice. Classic Elliot. Classic Elliot. Last coach to announce. I'm sitting in the middle of the crowd. I'm not, like, up on stage or behind. I'm just sitting in the stands, you know. <laughs> and uh, this guy gets up there and gives a whole speech about how he's been waiting 360, you know, five days and however many days and how he just loves camp and this has been his thing. But, and then he's like, but I realize that I just, I'm not, there are other better coaches out there. Wow. And so I'm not coaching this team, but I've picked one man. 
they've let me pick one man to coach this team. And he calls out my name and the place goes nuts. I run up there and it's like, you know, obviously for like 24 hours, it's like the most unbelievable thing anyone's ever heard. Sure. And, uh, and then, uh, there was just some crazy things. I, I ended up picking Benji Pagoski as my assistant coach. We never picked our number. We were that last team kind of like this year mm. where they didn't, I mean, they got the one, I got the six. And uh, back then we used to do first round picks in the mess hall. And we used to do them at all different places. Sometimes right. it'd be at a lineup outside. Some, this happened to be in the mess hall after a lunch because sometimes no one would know it was happening. I see. It was like a surprise. So it was yeah. a sit, sit down lunch meal. Mm-hmm. And they um, they used to, like, do the horn or blow a whistle and just give, hey, uh, you know, sign-ups are right after lunch, letter-writing day today, you're all dismissed, you know, line up at 2.30, and that's kind of the end. But it all would quiet down. So they would quiet down and do that, and then be like, well, hold on a second. You know, Elliot's has something to say. <laughs> and then, you know, so it would be, like, out of nowhere. And I remember us getting up there and um, – Everyone had us taking, they're like, they're taking between these three guys that were like in cabin 14. And we, we did, we weren't take, we were taking Todd Hayden in cabin 13. And nice. Todd was, you know, he was, he's a big bulking hunky guy now, but he was a scrawny little kid then. <laughs> and so it was like, so, and, and, and a lot of guys gave big speeches about the person they picked. We ju- I just went up there and said, number 10 on the age list, Todd Hayden. That was it. No speech. Boom. And he went crazy and the place was silent and we heard some chuckles and we, we ran out of the mess hall and I said, don't listen to anything. Anyone that says you've been our guy from day one. We know that this is it. And we won. Wow. We won the week. It was amazing. It was a magical run and we won some crazy events. And I remember like being on pins and needles. And I didn't really know we had had locked in until they played our song kind of thing. Nice. Like it was that it ended up being kind of like this year where no one really knew, but it ended up not being as close as. Yeah. And uh, that the video of our coming up on stage is you have that the 1998 and Denny is on stage saying this is a very special collegiate week. This is the first time a Nitzkin has won collegiate week. And it's it's awesome. It was it was amazing. And of course, to put the button on the story, the name on the plaque. Seth Wenning's on the plaque. <laughs> he is. If you go look. Which plaques are these? The 1998 Collegiate Week plaque. Seth Wenning is listed as a member of the team. What's it look like? They're, um, they're the- part of that year that was on the totem pole, so they're like the feathers. Gotcha. And it's over in the corner near the ice machine Very nice. on, the, on the ceiling. That's awesome. And you go down and you're like, like uh, Adam Ruckham and Kevin Ware were my two youngest kids that year, <laughs> to give you a perspective. Shout out Ruckham and Ware. Shout out Ruckham and Ware. And you're reading Rock on where Seth Wenig. <laughs> and then you're looking up and seeing that he's only a year younger than me. And you're like, he's older than Benji Bogowski. What's going on here? That's amazing. It's cool. That's and I had awesome. to like, while he was working on the plaque, slip him a $20 bill. <laughs> say, put this name in here. If you ever get, if anyone ever mentions it to you, just say, this is the list that Stu gave me. And no one ever said a word. Nice. And even though this is on the record, I don't think I don't think any like Denny won't even say anything about it. <laughs> We're not going back and taking. We're not it going off. back. That's awesome. Um, so, shifting gears a little bit. Yes. So you win the week. You march out triumphant away from uh, Camp Ojibwa. That's it. Trophy held high, and you take a hiatus. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was back every single year since. In some visiting... With the old-timers for a bunch of years. When Jacob was born, we started taking every 4th of July with a bunch of other camp families. Ah, nice. The Balms had built their house, so we would stay in town and spend the day at the Balms and spend some of the day at camp. And, uh, you know, it was... It was that was one of our favorite family trips, you know. Yeah. Was, I mean, Jacob has been on the ground since he was not even walking, and uh, so I've always been up. But yes, so fast forward, and I've always kind of I've always touched base with Denny. I've always had a lot of really good camp friends, so I've sure. always kind of been in the loop of what's going on. You know, Darren Angster is one of my close friends, and the Bohms, and you know, Darren has older kids, and so he's been involved. So I've kind of even though I wasn't involved, I was kind of, I knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point, I don't even remember the year, I could look it up. It was a while ago now. It was probably 2005 or six or somewhere around there that we decided to come up with the Warrior Council. Mm. And the Warrior Council started, it was actually Brett Bohm who was kind of pushing because he wanted to buy stock in camp, even though his dad has some stock. Sure. He was older and had a family and loved camp and, wanted to have his own piece of it. And he started going, you know, he said, Denny, how can, can you, can I buy stock? And Denny said, no, you know, they weren't going to make more shares of stock like right. that, even though they have done that in the past. But at this point it was kind of close. So then he said, but feel free. There's a lot of people that own shares of stock that haven't been involved or we haven't even heard from. Mm, sure. So Brett started the process of literally calling every single investor and asking if they were willing to sell their shares. And, Lo and behold, no one was. <laughs> and, you know, the people that were didn't really know what the market share was. And it was like, right. there is no, re- I mean, it's hard to put a value on it. And right. it's whatever anyone will pay for it. So we, we kind of hit a, ru- and, and when he was starting this process, he called up some of us and said, if I can get a bunch, do you guys want to split them? Hmm. Because really, whether you own one share or a hundred shares, other than your voting rights, you have the same kind of privilege, so to speak, right. which is not really a lot, right. to be honest with you. Right, because it's mean, not it's really a little a, overrated. Sure, there's not really a market value on, on... Right. Right, so whatever you paid for it is what you paid for it, but there's no comparable thing. It's right. not likely you're not going to make money from owning a piece of camp. No. I mean, if something happened down the road and camp disappeared and they sold it, maybe, but that, that is a very far-fetched idea. So, yeah, no, for sure. And, and it was interesting because I, uh, I, ta- I forgot who I was talking I was talking with the Bones actually this summer. And we were talking about, I think it was Adam or Brett, viv- like re- somewhat remember Bob having the conversation with Carol. I'm going to give money to be a part owner camp even though there's no upside. And I was always wondering what my, how my dad sold that to my mom, if my dad even ever told my mom until it was over, which is a strong <laughs> possibility. And so... You know, Brett called me up and said, I'm, I'm trying to do this. Are you interested? And I said, yes. I was doing well in my business. And even though my dad had a, some shares of stock or a unit or whatever, it was mm-hmm. still it would have been nice, you know. And, and he called Darren. And, and we kind of had a group of guys that would have been interested. So Denny kind of came up with this idea of, well, why don't you all give some money? And you'll be kind of this younger person sort of board that gives me advice and gives me feedback as our board gets older and our investor group gets older. It'd be nice to have a new generation. Sure. 
And so we all pitched in some money and the money was put in a separate account and was used for whatever we want. We voted on what it was used for, gotcha. you know, and, uh, which was kind of, and we're talking about like capital improvements and things. Yeah. Like it that. was all about capital yeah. improvements and, you know, the early years, it was a lot of Denny saying, I think you should use your money to do this. And we'd be <laughs> like, yeah, he'd be like, yeah, you should. And we'd be like, okay. <laughs> you know, it was a lot of that. Sure. But we would meet once a year and Denny would give us kind of like the state of the union to this group. And he would probe us about, you know, do you have any ideas for recruiting? Can you help us get kids? And, mm. you know, when I first got involved, Jacob wasn't even, I mean, he wasn't, he was just born. So yeah. like my recruiting ability at that point was still pretty young and right. didn't even know the community. So I didn't really have a ton to offer, offer than other than feedback. But what it did was, is it kept me really involved and it kept me knowing what was going on and mm. how the trends were going. And as I, as I got involved in that and sort of when I, right around the time I moved to Highland Park and connecting more with more camp people and seeing them more frequently and playing basketball with them and through Darren and through the Bones and through the Shapiros, you know, I started really getting a good feel for camp and starting to understand what was going on. And, um, I had, I had talked to Denny in 2011. I had sat him down and said, you know, I'm doing this stuff with the charity. It's, it seems like camp is just at a little bit of a lull, just the, the beat on the street I got. I had no real basis other than what I hear from parents. Sure. And I said, you know, maybe I can come up and help. Maybe I could be like a head counselor. You know, I don't know, but I'd love to come and, do it, you know, I kind of, I can make it work, I can come for a shorter period of time, and he was kind of like, well, what would you do? And I was like, ah, i got to be honest, I don't really know. <laughs> be there, sure. try and, you know, bring some energy, try and just, you know, do something. Right. And he was like, um, I, I don't know, I would, I, I don't know where to put you, I can't really pay you, I mean, what would you want to get paid? I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Right. He's like, well, i got to use the money I might have paid you, i got to, you know, build some other stuff. And I just don't think it's going to work. I was like, okay, that's fair. You know, I didn't, uh, just thought I'd throw it out there. I thought it'd be kind of a cool thing to try out and see if I could help in some way. But it wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. And, um, so that was like, that was at the sort of early stage of 2011 when I kind of offered that and it didn't work out. And I went through that whole summer and then, uh, Moving into the early part of 2012, my dad got sick. Mm. And from the time he got sick to the time he passed was like, it was a grad, it was like two months. Mm. And um, I just, you know, in kind of the ending kind of days of him being kind of coherent and being able to have conversations with me, everything was about Cam. Mm. And even when he got older in life, you know, all the people he associated with were Cam people. People he did business with, people he socialized with, um, the people he, you know, bullshitted with, you know, were the old timers. But then he, everybody he ever did business with was basically a camp person. Mm -hmm. CPA, lawyer, you know, anything. You know, he was, he believed in that. And I think I got a lot of that from him that like, this is an Ojibwe guy. So without knowing anything, I already trust him. Nice. And I, you know, and so if I have a chance to give him the business, I'll give him the business. And and my dad was uh, for a lot of years in insurance, health insurance, life insurance. Mm. And so was Mickey Schwartz. 
And oh, so sure. my dad would often run into people that he was good friends with from camp. They're like, well, we're doing business with Mickey. And he'd be like, okay, then I don't want to thought like I'm never step on those toes. Nice. Yeah. And you know, you try really hard to be respectful of that. And, um, so he passed and it was, you know, it was a rough summer. I, I had missed the weekend of his funeral was the weekend of father son. I'd mm. been to father son the summer before with Jacob. I think that also kind of got me feeling like, man, I really miss this place. Sure. And then I didn't go to father son that year because of my dad. And I just, that whole summer, I kept thinking about, you know, how the thing that stuck with me is that it's, I mean, you live this amazing life. I don't, I don't, and it doesn't, you know, you lived, my dad was 69, he could have lived to 89. And at the end of the day, your legacy is the impression you made on people and how they felt about you. And, you know, and, and my dad was an awesome guy. And, and, but the thing that he loved more than anything was camp. Mm. And so that just, I just kept thinking about that. Like, I don't want to be 75 years old and, you know, think that I missed an opportunity to be a bigger part of something so special. Yeah. And so at the end of that summer, and throughout that summer, I had heard that Denny was, you know, looking for help. Mm -hmm. Enrollment was a little bit down. It had kind of, it started to fall a little bit. And I think, you know, he was getting a little tired, although he didn't never said that. And he would, if he hears this, he'll probably be like, I'm never tired. I'm never done. You guys all write me off and I'm never done. We're not writing you off, Denny. We love you. Um, I sat down with him in August at the end of the summer and we had done this for the last few years. And I just said, Hey, tell me about the summer. And I just sit back. I remember sitting at little Louie's mm. and him sitting back and being like, it was a great summer. And we had this and this. And I may be like, you know, then you say that, but Enrollment was down. I think you fired a few guys. Like, sure. It was almost, I could feel that he was kind of giving me not the real thing about it. Cause who, I'm just, I mean, at that point, I guess, and, and over that summer, you got to understand that I, I inherited my dad's shares of stocks through his will. Right. And like within two weeks, they voted me to take his seat. So all of a sudden, I went from, you know, 30 something year old kid right to i'm on the board of directors of camp ojibwa right. so it was like a little bit like it's so, a, little, a little jarring well and i took so i was like okay well i took that as my responsibility i gotta know more about what's going on sure and and i don't want to just sit back and let things go so i'm sitting there listening to denny tell me you know first how great the summer is and then when i really cracked him he was like yeah you know enrollment's been down it's been struggling i'm a little nervous and I don't know what's going to happen and this and that. And I said, okay, well, I, I want, I've been thinking a lot about this since my dad passed and I'm in the perfect situation. I've talked to my wife and I want to, I want to help. I think I can help you in recruiting. I think I could help with your marketing and some social media stuff. And I said, I think that Ojibwe has a strong name, but in this day and age, we just got to be out there. Mm. And I said, so let me come and help. And he's like, oh, well, let me talk to Joel and think about it and I want you and Joel to get together. And, you know, Joel basically was like, hey, if you want to come, come. I, I'm yeah. not quite sure <laughs> right. what you're going to do. And he said that. And I said, well, Joel, I think I can, you know, I think I can help as a head counselor. I think I could really help connect with the staff and get them motivated. I'm like, I can certainly help with recruiting. My son's entering that age where 
I think I can really capture a lot of people yeah. and really get after it a little bit. And so Danny was like, let's go for it. And, um, it, it's, it's been crazy and amazing all the same. I mean, that first year was, you know, the first year I was, I came up for BPS mm-hmm. and I didn't even know where I was living. <laughs> and at first he's like, well, I think I'm going to put you here in uh, Barney's where Barney stays now. Oh, sure. The that galloping horse. The galloping horse, yeah. which I was like, okay. Yeah. But then I, I said, you know, one of my big things is I absolutely needed internet because I was still doing the charity stuff. Right, of course. So then that's when I ended up where Al was this year. Right. Uh, in that room. And it was, uh, I mean, I kind of just stumbled through that first year. I mean, I tried to help where I could help and just, you know, lift things up. But I didn't really have a defined role. I just was trying to figure it out. And even to, even the second year was still like, a, what's my role? Who, you know... I'm I'm a doer, so I'm not like a guy that sits back and wait. Like if I see something, sure, I want to fix it. Right, absolutely. It's just like my nature. So, you know, I, I think it was difficult because I was trying to fix a lot of things, and I think a lot of people were like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Right. Sure. You know, we know he was a chief of the Braves, and he's got a family history here. But yeah. who is he coming in here? And you know, which is fair. And um, it just goes back to what we talked about: change, change. change. Camp Ojibwe is always it's difficult, but uh, it's been it's been an amazing ride. I mean, I've learned so much about how camp is run, and I just have the you know Denny said it. I don't know if it was my first year there or my second year there, but he said something that stuck with me. That he, I think he said it at um, visiting weekend two summers ago. He said, "I feel very privileged to be one of the caretakers of Camp Ojibwe." And that just struck a chord with me because he's so right. Because it's camp's not about me, and it's not about Denny, and it's not about my dad. It's about all of us. Yeah. It's so much bigger than any one person. Absolutely. And uh, I, I think that's so true. And so now, fast forward, I'm I'm a co-director with Joel, and I I plan on being that for a long time. And I truly feel like it's my job to make sure that camp continues to flourish and can be the best it can be and and that these kids all have the absolute greatest experience they could have because I know what it did for me yeah and I I know it did for my dad and uh you know total side note going back to my dad my dad was my dad came to camp when he was six (sighs) he didn't know anybody (laughs) the old days it was a little easier not easier it was a little more accepted that you came at like five six years old yeah in fact if you look at the warrior from his first year it said He's he's the youngest kid in cabin one, but the biggest. My dad was a big man, a gentle giant. I think they said. That's funny. Which is so spot on with him, and um, you know I know what it did for him. My dad was his next. He was one of four brothers, and his next brother was like ten years older than him. Mm. So his parents were basically like, "We have grandkids, right?" And <laughs> I got this six-year-old. Mm. Let's send him to camp. And my uncle had gone to camp for a couple of years mm. in the 40s. So they knew of it. And it just camp helped raise my dad. So I knew how special it was. And now that I get to see, you know, not every kid comes from a wonderful home in Highland Park. Sure. You know? Absolutely. And so I get to see what camp does for some of these kids, you know, giving them role models, giving them father figures. It's, it's amazing. It changes the course of people's lives. 
And it's no one realizes that when you're going through it. Right. Of course. But when you look back and you think about just how much it camp meant to you, the relationships you've made, the, the things you learn there is, is like priceless. So I truly look at it now is that it's my responsibility to make sure that that continues for kids all over. So I, it's, it's, I feel very blessed to be in the position I'm at, like very fortunate. And, um, I'm really excited about it. I think we have, I think camp's in a really good spot right at this moment, but there's all, we, the sky's the limit. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, I think that you've been a, a boon to camp. Oh, thanks. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, you, I've been there for a long time and, and coming in like a house of fire and, uh, firing up the recruiting. And, and I mean, from day one, kind of, like you said, you came in and, that first year, you're like, I, just point me in a direction. I, right. I want to do some stuff, right. you know, whatever I, I just, it was. You know, now it's becoming a little more defined for me, but still, I mean, still, it's like, what can I do? Yeah. I just want to make this place better. And uh, I think I have, um, I think because I still think of myself as a kid, I somewhat relate to a lot of the staff in terms of they feel comfortable coming to me. And I, and to me, like I said from the very beginning of this, that staff is literally, if our staff is phenomenal, our summer is phenomenal. Absolutely. So if there's something the I can do to make, to keep the staff motivated, hungry, happy, then I'm, I'm happy to do it. And it gets challenging, you know, it gets challenging. I, I said to my wife, Lisa, when I got home, I go, sometimes I forget that these kids are 16, 17, 18 years old. It's and, <laughs> you know, not their fault, but their maturity level is only such. Absolutely. I'm just going about treating them all as like it's my next door neighbor and it just doesn't work that way. Right. It's, it's, it's so funny. I, I, I rarely get to experience coming back from camp and getting to hang out in Chicago for any period of time. And this past week I've been around Chicago and, and I was at a, we'll say an unnamed staff man's house. We'll say, um, and I go over and his mom's like giving him a hard time about doing his homework and he's having to do his homework. And I'm like, what he's, you don't have to give him a hard time. He has jobs. He goes around and he takes care of kids. And like, it's just, <laughs> right. He was, and suddenly he became a kid again. And right. Was, but he's a staff man. And then you forget that up there. You totally forget that up there. Cause these guys have responsibility right. and, and very often carry it very right. well. Yeah. I think that'll be a challenge for me moving forward because I'm only going to get older and they're only going to stay the same. And right. But I, I, I like that challenge and I like the challenge of keeping them motivated and fired up and, I like to get a lot of feedback from the staff because I think it's important because I, you know, times change and yeah. things change and people's likes change and what they see changes. And it's, I think it's great to get that feedback. Yeah, for sure. And quicker than ever now. I mean, with technology and whatever. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it, you know, it cycles aren't five years anymore. Cycles are right. six months and that kind of stuff. So totally. staying ahead of the curve and keeping people yeah. interested and on the right track and things like that. And yeah. now, you know, it feels like we've built up some pretty good momentum and I feel, I really feel like if we can keep that going, it's just going to keep snowballing. You know, I'm already, I'm getting calls earlier than ever about, Hey, can I sign my kid up right now? Nice. You know, can I do that? And, you know, we got some exciting things we're rolling out here, you know, in the next few months and hopefully in the next bunch of years, we'll keep, keep going. We yeah. dumped a ton of money into camp this last off season and I think it helped. I was telling Denny this morning that, we spent a lot of money and sometimes you think some of those things like it doesn't draw a kid in, right. but it does make a difference when people come up and they're like, the grounds look beautiful. Yeah, like, for sure. It's really, you know, it looks great. Yeah. I mean, and, sometimes you have to sink a ton of money into something that's boring and doesn't look all that big on the outside, but 
then some yeah. parents come and look I, at it and they go, oh. I told Daniel this morning, I got more compliments this summer, father and son parents, visiting weekend, people coming to visit on how great the campgrounds look, mm-hmm. like way more than any other year. And, uh, you know, so I think that's important. You know, I think it's important to look your best and to always try and improve things and, um, you know, dump money back in, which we do every year. Mm-hmm. You know, we try and put a bunch of money back in. The investors never take money. Right. Well, like the Yankees, just any money we made, just throw it back in there. Yeah, it really, it is like that. And uh, so I, it's it's an exciting, I think it's a very exciting time to be a part of Camp Ojibwa. For sure. Very exciting time. All right, my friend. Well, did we miss anything? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I could talk forever about camp. We got it. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on. I appreciate Thank you. you taking the time. Thank you. And, uh, this project is fantastic. Thanks. Keep, keep it going. Listen. We'll, we'll keep doing it as long as I can keep finding guys to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that'll be a problem. Awesome. Okay, there we go. Stu Nitzkin officially in the books right here. The Camp Ojibwe History Podcast. Happy to have him on board. Told some great stories. As you probably know, Stu Nitzkin is one of our current directors at Camp Ojibwe. And over the next few episodes of the show, you're going to hear from some of the other directors of Camp Ojibwe. So look forward to that in the coming weeks as we lead into the start of a new camp year. Very excited. As always, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you know how. Drop me an email, Christopher at CampOjibwaHistory.org. If you're out there on the road somewhere on the East Coast and you'd like to get interviewed for the show, drop me a note. I had a couple guys already reach out from New York City. So I will swing by. I'll bring my microphones. We'll have an amazing time. But you got to let me know you're there. Let's do that. All right, that is it. Like I said, I'm heading back out early in the morning. But not before I head over to 1549 Arbor this evening for a visit in the Cigar Chalet.